0: The following podcast contains subject matter that may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed in the program do not necessarily reflect those of WTVA or its sister station, WLOV. It is not a production of WTVA 9 News.
1: Alberta, Canada. A major Canadian province, where the weather changes dramatically season to season. There are ski resorts, the Elk Island National Park, the Museum of Paleontology, the world famous Calgary Stampede, Alberta, was Donna Cupido's home until she moved. Where did she move, you might ask? A similar destination. That's if you consider Alberta, Canada, and Mississippi, USA, similar. More specifically, she and her husband Brian relocated to Iuka, Mississippi. Roughly 3,000 people, and its biggest tourist attraction an apron museum. By all accounts, Donna enjoyed small town life. A wife and mother of three, beloved by friends and neighbors. But there was more to Mrs. Cupido than one could imagine or detect in a quick conversation at the grocery store. A look into her home on a Saturday night, filled with visiting siblings and friends of her children, having a rowdy time and enjoying the company of one another. You might compare it to a sitcom. Donna's life, however, was far more soap opera than sitcom. And some might say she had demons. And on October 21st, 2004, Donna Cupido likely lost a showdown with a demon. A lot of people love Donna or profess to, and love can do strange things to a person. Hi, I'm Donna, Teresa Cupido. We knew that, that
0: there was something that happened a is so tight, it's just hard to penetrate to find out the truth.
1: From the WTVA Creative Content Studio in the All-America City, this is Cupid's Arrow, The Disappearance of Donna. When Donna and Brian arrived with their family in Iuka, Mississippi, they were an affectionate couple. Their bond was evident. But years later, and by 2004, it was apparent to many who knew them, the relationship had soured. Rumor had it, the primary point of contention was the thing that most commonly and most quickly rears its ugly head in a marriage, Money. The Cupidos' financial situation was not as stable as it once had been. The family business was struggling. At the time, Donna vanished. So what about this frustrated husband? Could Brian have had something to do with this? Investigators do tend to look first at the spouse in the case of a disappearance or murder. Likewise, the first person our producer Maggie interviewed for this series was Brian
2: Cupido.
0: Was there anything unusual or strange about that morning?
2: No, it seemed like a routine. I mean, I went to work uh, before the kids got up and she got up because uh, kids go to school later at that time. So, I believe typically I leave around 6:30 quarter quarter after 6 kind of thing.
1: Soon after, Maggie spoke with the son of Brian and Donna Cupido who was 21 years old when it happened.
0: She was a outgoing, loving person, mm-hmm. did everything for anybody. You asked her to do it. I mean, you just name it, she'll do it, she had an open heart to anybody, loved everybody, never upset, just a great woman. Yeah, she had a, quite a bit of friends, you know, everybody knew who she was, you know, because mm-hmm. my mom always rode around in like a Kia Sportage. She volunteered for the uh, thrift store, like I've said, and then she did things for the school, you know, help people do their uh, gardening, because she loved being outside. She learned that from her dad, being a, you know, do garden things. And what do you remember about the day that she went missing, like that morning? Well, see, at, at that time, while I was still working at Plumrose, I worked at nighttime. So when mm-hmm. I got off at 1 o'clock, I saw her that morning. First thing in the morning, I went to sleep, and that was the last time I ever saw her. Well, wow. That morning. She, she acted the same. We had, like, a bowl of ice cream that morning together, and never, never said nothing about nothing, just mm-hmm. we talked and then went to bed. And then my sister Jocelyn, she, my mom took her to school that morning and that was the last time anybody seen her.
2: And when I got back home at the end of the day, uh, my y- youngest daughter uh, did not get picked up from school, which is one of her routines. And uh, so then we started you know, asking around and phoning around. It's a small little town, so we called the police, see if they noticed her car anywhere. They said, well, we can't really do anything for 24 hours or whatever it was.
0: It took time to realize it, because we, we didn't want to believe it. We thought, you know, she was out helping people or doing something, which she normally does. But, you know, then when that night came and then when Jocelyn and the Sheen got picked up, was kind of, you know, that's really odd. And then that whole night came, and then the next day we you know, started Started to hit home a little more, trying to wonder where she was. We continued to look, and
2: then, uh, yeah, Friday morning, uh, no show. Then, yeah, we spent the whole weekend looking Mm -hmm. at various places, put up posters, and eventually, I believe it was... Sunday night, I think, the police found her car parked behind a church off of Highway 72. She, she knew
0: some people that went to that church. Cause mm-hmm. we, I think I went to that church once before, well when back in the day. Did they find any evidence, like, in the car, anything, any hints or anything unusual? Uh, no,
2: it was parked kind of in, in an obscure place behind the building so it wouldn't be really visible from the highway. Um, she was uh, you a know, fairly heavy smoker, and uh, there was a whole carton of cigarettes in the car, so uh, their whole premise kind of from the beginning was that she just up and left because she was happy. I said, well, if a person who is unhappy up and leaves, you know, why would they leave a whole carton of cigarettes behind in their
0: car? Somebody got jealous and wanted her for themselves, and she probably wasn't going for it, and they killed her. Because there's there's no way she would leave us kids. Impossible, so.
2: Yeah, I would just kind of say, unfortunately, I think there was a lot of missteps uh, because of their preconceived notion of just up and leaving. Uh, Number one, she would never leave her kids. So that's a a complete fallacy, you know, but yeah, I I think unfortunately that was their whole mindset. So it wasn't an urgent thing uh, to, to, to get after it. So Yeah, through the process, uh, various uh, polygraphs were done. The MBI was finally brought in on it. And uh, they, of course, kind of started taking, you know, the reins, so to speak.
1: When Brian and Jason volunteered to take polygraph tests, they both passed with flying colors. And the husband, Brian, seemed more intent on finding out what happened to his wife than anyone This may have been surprising to some, because one thing we've yet to mention. Donna Cupido was allegedly involved in an extramarital affair.
2: I heard her talking with him, and he's proposing marriage to her over the phone. And so, you know, clearly she was, uh, yeah, stepping outside the marriage.
1: Brian Cupido says he was certain his wife was cheating on him. That knowledge may at first give you more reason to suspect him until you learn the identity of the person with whom she was believed to be cheating.
2: After the break. We have confirmed that they did fire the shotgun at the deputy. You can depend on WTVA
0: 9 News on WLOV to cover important news when it happens, where you live. Dependable coverage of important breaking news. The WTBA
2: 9 Severe Weather Authority keeping you and your family safe. Chief Meteorologist Matt Lobhan and me, Daniela Oropesa. WTBA 9 News on
0: WLOV at 9 p.m. Live local late breaking.
1: Before he became an icon, before he became a legend, before he became the inspiration to many. He was
0: just Elvis. He was just around, you know? Well, he used to ride his bicycle over
1: in there. <laughs> WTBA Podcast presents a local look at how t shaped a little boy into becoming the world's most recognized entertainer. We'll have interviews with his childhood friends, visit some of his early hangouts, and talk with fans from around the world who make the journey to explore the roots of the king of rock and roll. Shaping Elvis, now available from WTVA Podcasts.
2: We we believe that there's a certain individual that is of real high suspicion
0: in our books. Well, some uh, people in uh, law enforcement were involved with my mom talking to her and everything else. So, yeah, you know, and that's one of the people that didn't pass the test the first time and then took it again, but. Just gets you kind of wondering, like, you know, why?
1: Stan Hester was a Tishomingo County Sheriff's deputy. Several people claimed he was seeing Donna behind closed doors.
2: The county sheriff at that time was in transition. There was an election. I think he got voted out. So he was just biding his time because uh, I went physically to talk to him after I heard the conversation that uh, deputy was proposing to my wife over the phone while I was listening in on it because I, I had my suspicions. And so I went and talked to him, and I said, so is is this the caliber of uh, deputies that you have that they're here to protect and serve, but yet they're, they're whoring around in town? And what, how much I can do? The integrity there is, is you know, about as low as it can get, right. you know, that you're you're hiring officers that behave in this fashion.
1: Deputy Hester was one of the men on the case, expected to find out what happened to Donna. To find some answers, to find her.
2: Because later on in the investigation, there were, her wallet was uh, found. They dredged the, uh, the creek down in uh, Bear Creek, I think it's what it's called. And uh, somebody had, uh, I think either a fisherman or somebody... But anyway, they they found her identification in the lake. So, I mean, if somebody's leaving, why would you leave your personal, you know, know, identification, driver's license, I think social security card, pictures, and things like that. So
0: part of her wallet, I don't believe her
2: whole billfold
0: was found. I know uh, when my mom's wallet was found at Bear Creek, I left work to see, and I was not allowed to come anywhere close down there. You know, they just kept it, you know, concealed, just, just police only. And then I know we did a uh, a search for my mom a week later in, in, in a big forest, not too far from the church. And we, you know, I brought, I brought friends down there, you know, to help look. And it was a big ordeal because we all showed up with people and they were like, no, no, no. We wanted to help. So, you know, we even brought our dog because, you know, he knew him all since sense. So we went to the woods and it was kind of, they were kind of wondering, like, why did we bring all these people here? You know, you weren't allowed to come kind of thing. Uh
2: cell phone was never found. Uh, there was a couple of uh, voicemails in there that the police uh, did procure. And, uh, yeah, the last person to have contact was that uh, county county sheriff's deputy.
1: We have a Canadian transplant to small town Mississippi who disappears while in a suspected relationship outside her marriage with a sheriff's deputy. If that isn't complicated enough for you, we now introduce the third
2: man. She was also connected with another individual who worked uh, for the state and uh, I believe this is my personal theory that she was cheating on the cop with this other guy, and I believe they got into an argument. Donna and this individual got into an argument, and uh, I believe uh, he took issue with it. And uh, being that he's in law enforcement, he knows how to cover tracks. I'm not an investigator, but uh, there's some clear evidence of lying uh, on the deputy's part. Uh, he was even found in Walmart buying duct tape and plastic. So, you know, that's just all too too coincidental. Yeah. The uh, the landfill where he was apparently is a very lax process. You can just drive in, dump your stuff over the, the berm into the big 40-yard container, and it gets hauled away. So... Uh, who who knows, you know, uh, he failed the polygraph at, at, on his first try because he was taking Xanax to uh, avoid, the, you know, make the system uh, inactive or, you know, uh, inconclusive. Mm-hmm. And that's what the first polygraph on him. Apparently they redid him and then they claim he passed. So I don't know if there's a cover up. You know, to protect their own, Uh, I, I of course, uh, pushed the envelope with Randy Stringer, and of course, he was offended by that.
1: Here, Brian is referencing the chief of police in Iuca.
2: I don't believe the Iuca Police Department is involved, but I know that the sheriff's county is, so... I don't know what kind of clout you have, but uh, I guess he was offended and he sent me a letter stating that uh, they officially removed themselves from the case because of our continued, uh, you know, questioning on the integrity of, you know, the officers surrounding the the case and investigation. So, so
1: it is Brian Cupido's statement that the deputy engaged in an affair with his wife, became jealous of an additional relationship and did away with her. Maggie asked if that third man was ever investigated or made to take a polygraph himself.
0: Me and my dad took the lie detector test and we passed. One person didn't, and the other one got a lawyer. So that kind of, you know, he ain't got nothing to hide, then mm-hmm. why do that, right? Well, he lawyered up, so uh, there's there's obviously that's a dead
2: end for them. and. I don't know what other investigative skills that they could apply to that, but they just kind of, okay, he's lawyered up, so we, you know. So I think that they're just sitting waiting for physical evidence to appear, which, you know, I mean, if it's buried, it's never going to appear.
1: There are some clear, obvious candidates for closer inspection, but very little traction in this case gone officially cold. There was, on one occasion, a possible break. A woman claiming to have seen Donna with someone at a restaurant in Alabama.
2: That's where her sister barged in on it, and I guess the police and MBI had said that uh, because she did that, she tainted the witness because she was throwing out names, you know. And of course, the desire to find what happened, you know, she's probably misstepped, and uh, you know, couldn't couldn't be. Uh, Couldn't be used, I guess, so to speak.
1: Now, Donna's sister Pearl does tell the story a little differently. You will hear that and many more revelations from her next time on Cupid's Arrow. Cupid's Arrow. The Disappearance of Dawn. Executive producer and writer, Jason Lee Ussery. Producer, Maggie Bushway. I'm Terry Smith, asking you to write a positive review for the show on iTunes. Until next time, stay safe.